Let's open in prayer as we get ready for the word. We're going to be in Romans 5 today. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you again for your word. We thank you for the chance we've had to sing praises to you and to worship you. We ask you to guide as we sing, as we listen to the word and learn from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith unto this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in the tribulations also, knowing that the tribulation works patience, and patience experience and experience hope. And hope makes not ashamed because the love of God is spread abroad, shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. I was thinking about this. Next week we'll return back to Luke. But I was thinking about this one today. I have heard many people saying, thank God it's 2022 and the 2021 is over. And then you'll hear them say, well, I'm, we just know it's going to be a better year. And I've just been thinking about that a lot because what was being said in 1920 and 21? Thank God 2020 is over with and we're going to be in a better year. Now, I'm looking at all of this and I'm wondering on what basis is people putting their hope that this is going to be a better year? Because uh, I look at the news, I look at what's being reported, and I see no hope for a better 2022. Now, I don't want this to be a depressing <laughs> message, so, but I do want to make sure that we're understanding from a human fleshly position, 2022 is going to be probably miserable. Because we look at the news, we look at what's coming down, we've got this new variant of the, of the COVID-19 coming in, causing problems. We've got government trying to take overreach. We've got all kinds of things going on in our world to make things worse than they are already. But I want to do, on, as we look at this, is I want to talk about where our hope needs to be. Because without our hope centered in God, we're going to be miserable. And so I'm going to be bouncing around a little bit today because I'm going to be talking about several different verses, and I didn't remember to mark them in my Bible, so I'm going to have to find them as we go along as well. So what do people trust in? You know, one of the places that people like to put their trust in, and I have no idea why, but they like to put their trust in the government. The government is going to take care of us. No, I've got my future. The Social Security is going to pay for it. They're going to take care of me if I'm disabled. They're going to take care of me and protect me and do all the things that they're supposedly supposed to do. And then some. And, you know, I kind of look at this and when our country founded, the government had two jobs, and that was to have a military and to protect our products going in and out. Those were the only things that they were supposed to do, and it's the only thing the Constitution says that they're supposed to do. And yet, over the years, we've had them take over almost every aspect of our life. And government does that. If you look through history, that is what governments always do. They start out benign and for the people, and they take more and more and more power until they finally collapse from trying to tax the people to death. So, but the Bible also gives us the warning on this whole thing because, you know, we want to look at this and look at from an example in the Bible. Joseph, raised in power in Egypt. What did he do? When his brothers finally came down two years into the famine and saw him, he said, get dad down here, get the whole family down here because there's, seven, there's five more years of this famine 
and you guys need to be down here and I will take care of you. Now, we think about that. You know, have you ever thought about it that, gov that Joseph at that time was the government? He was the number two man in charge, and he brought his family down to be taken care of by the government. And then what's the first verses in Exodus says? There arose a king that knew not Joseph. And the people had been growing so strong, and they're going, who are these people? They've got the best land of Egypt. They've got all this stuff. We, and probably been exempted from taxes because Joseph was number two. And they're going, we need to put them in their place, and they enslaved them. This is what governments do to their people. They enslave the people given enough time. We're seeing our own government enslaving people through benefits. And they're getting people so used to taking the benefits. Why can they get away with everything they're doing right now with the businesses? Because they've been paying the businesses money to support them for a long time. And they basically say, do it our way or else we will take away your millions of dollars of support. They're buying slaves in this way. This has happened in every generation, all through history. And this is the problem that we have is people don't know history, so they don't see what's coming. Hitler did the same thing. If you're not aware of how Hitler came into power, he won the vote for chancellor by 80% of the, of the vote by giving him one little promise. I will give you a loaf of bread every day. The economy in, in Germany when he came to power was so bad people were starving to death and he promised them a loaf of bread. And they voted for him at 80% and then he went on to destroy, to make the country very prof profitable with fascism, but then destroyed it through his ambitions. So we want to keep in mind, looking at government is not the answer. Uh, in Psalm 118, verse 9, we're told, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. <laughs> so if your hope in, in thoughts are to put your hope in the government, you're going to be deceived. We must put our hope and our trust in God. And this is going to be the whole thing I'm looking at. What's another thing that people like to put their hope in? Military power and strength. That's been a big thing for America, too. We were, we we're strongest nation. Nobody's going to take us. Nobody's going to be able to defeat us. There's lots of nations in history that have said that. Uh, Babylon. Babylon, Babylon fell while the king and his princes were having a party and celebration, even though they were surrounded by the Medo-Persian Empire uh, army. They're going, they can't take us. We're in a, def you know, the, nobody will ever take our city. It's impenetrable. As they diverted the water and came in underneath the, 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 the trap doors for the water uh, and then took the city. Jerusalem was supposed to be impenetrable. All the problems, all the changes that they made, Nebuchadnezzar conquered Jerusalem. There is no such thing as a power that is unconquerable if God is against you. And so we want to keep this in mind. Our own strength will not keep us. Our own military strength will not keep us. As far as scripture goes, another scripture I was thinking about is David and Goliath. Israel is out with, under King Saul. They're, they're in battle array against the Philistines. And rather than fight, their champion of the Philistines comes out, just a short guy, nine foot two, and says, 
send just one person out to fight me and whoever wins gets to win the battle. Now we read that and we go, well, that's kind of strange, but it was not uncommon back then to say, let's just have a group of cha us champions go out and fight each other. We'll just, we'll limit the death to one, five, 20, 30, whatever it might be. And the winner, winner takes all. Uh, so it wasn't an unusual thing. And the people were fearful. This giant of a man, nine foot, two inches, standing out there challenging them to send a champion out to fight them. Now, uh, Saul was considered a tall man, was probably about six foot tall. You know, but he was not a very tall man compared to Goliath. And David steps up. And what is David's strength? This man has defied the God of Israel. How can we let him get away with it? And that was all David said. God's going to deliver him because he has defied God. And this is the sad thing. We've looked all through history and strong nations eventually will fall because of what they place their trust in. I want to read Psalm 20. It's a verse that I verse that I thought I was going to use when I first started this, but Psalm 20 says, verse 5, we will rejoice in, the, in your salvation and in the name of our God, and we will set up our banners, and the Lord will fulfill all our petitions. Now know I that the Lord saves his anointed. He will hear from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. He is brought, they are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, let the king hear when we call. So again, this idea, where is our trust? Are we trusting in the world's way of following things, or are we looking to God? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever in Hebrews, we're told. That means all the stuff he did in the past, he's still doing. All the stuff that he did today, he's still doing. All the stuff that he has been doing, he will be doing in the future. He does not change. And so we want to put our trust in him, not the government, not the military. What else do people put their trust in? This is not going to be an exhaustive list of everything we put our trust in. There are many people who put their trust in their wealth. I've got money set up. I will be able to live for, at ease for all the rest of my life. Uh, I've been putting away money in my 401k. I'm all set for retirement. You know, how many people have had plenty of wealth and all of a sudden lose it? During the Great Depression, people were committing suicide because their wealth disappeared overnight. We are looking at, in the very near future, most likely an extreme depression to hit this world, and not a depression like econom economists talk about. You know, we've had four losing quarters in a row, so we're, we're, we're in a recession. Oh, we hit, we hit eight, we're in a depression. No, we're talking about a real depression that'll make the Great Depression look like a Sunday picnic, because we have not had a depression since the 30s. Really, a real depression since the 30s. Before the 30s, we had depressions every 10 years. Now, that means that we have almost 100 years worth of depression you know, uh, that have not had depressions. That would be 10 depressions 
Why are prices as high as they are? Why is everything as bad off as it is? Because the governments have artificially sustained our economies. And there will come a time when they will fall. The Bible tells us in, the, in, in Revelation that when the seal is broken, that they will say that a loaf of bread will buy a bag of gold. Now, if you think about that, we think of, okay, you need a bag of bread to buy the, you know, a bag of gold to buy the bread, but they're saying, no, bread is so precious that you can buy gold with it. And they're going, well, that's an impossibility. Gold is whatever gold is nowadays, you know, $1,400 or whatever it is an ounce nowadays. But there's going to come a time when all people are going to care about is their food. What can I put on the table? Uh, how can I put food on the table? You know, example of this would be, you know, two examples I actually thought about. One is the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and said, how may I be a good teacher? How, what do I need to do to go to be saved? And Jesus told him to follow all the, follow all the commandments. And he goes, well, I've done all of that. And Jesus told him, one other thing you lack. Go and sell all that you have, give to the poor, and follow me. And one of the really sad statements is, it says, the, the man walked away sad, for he had great wealth. Now, people have taken that and gone to the extreme and said, see, right there it says, Jesus says you can't be rich and go to heaven. That's not what that verse says. He went away sad because he had much wealth. His God was his money. His hope was his money. He was not ready to trust God. The other one that I want to look at on this one would be Luke chapter 12. Starting at verse 16. And he spoke a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room wherein to, build, to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will, put down, I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there, will be, and there I will bestow all the fruits of my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have much goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, You fool, this night your soul shall be required of you. Then whose shall these things be which, he have, which you have provided? So, that, so is he that lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. Where is our true wealth? And is all of this saying that wealth is bad. No, wealth is not bad. Wealth is good. We need to put money away for retirement. We need to put money away for, for a rainy day. We need to do all of those things, but is our trust in that money? Hopefully, the answer is no. As the case of the rich young ruler, his whole thing was, I'd rather have my money than follow God. This parable, the man had everything put away. He was set for life. And God says, you're dying tonight. Where is our trust? Is our trust literally in God or is it in the stuff that we have? And this is hard for an Americans because we have an entire whole doctrine going on in most of the churches saying that if you're really God's child, you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. All right? So if you're not healthy, something's wrong with you. 
If you're not wealthy, something's wrong with you. Now, this is a hard gospel because it doesn't work in most of the world, so it cannot be the truth because it does not work in most places. It doesn't work in America either. Because every time Satan comes along, oh, let me just give you a little sickness. Oh, something's wrong. You know, give you a little shakeup in your, in your job situation or your bank account, and oh, something's wrong. Our trust has to be in God. Where is our trust going to be? Now, some people, they go, okay, well, uh, I'm going to trust in my own strength and my own power. I'm going to be a self-made man. <laughs> Nobody's going to need to be helping me. Great example of this, I'm just going to talk about it because I don't have a real verse, but Solomon. Solomon's the wisest man that has existed, had wealth beyond imagination. He was bringing in billions of dollars in years of taxes and tributes from people. Billions, not millions, but billions even of his, uh, from his day. And bringing in all this money, self-reliant, building projects all over the place, and fell into sin. Finally got back right with God, but you know, he was a self-made person. I can, and he started out right going, I trust God then went on his own way and had to fall. God does not let the proud stand before him. He will take away all that we have from us if we're not careful. Looking at Proverbs 28. Verse 26, he that trusts in his own heart is a fool, and, who, and whoso walks wisely, he shall be delivered. So if we want to trust in our own strength, our own knowledge, our own wisdom, ultimately we're foolish. And you go, well, I'm, I'm very smart. I've, I've, it's worked for me for a long time. Well, you know what? None of us knows what's going to happen in the future. We may think we know, we may make plans, just like the, the rich man tearing down his barns and saying, I've got to take, I'm set for the rest of my life, I've got years worth of food in here. And God says, you're a fool, you're dying tonight. We don't know. We all plan to go home this afternoon after church. Chances are we will make it to our homes. But there's no guarantee that we're going to be even leaving this building today. There's no guarantee that we're going to make it. For those of us who have to travel a little ways, there's no, no guarantee that we won't be in an accident on the way home or have a heart attack or, or something to keep us from being there. We cannot trust in our own strength. And I know lots of people are going, you know, that, well, I've been well-educated. You know, I've talked to many people with doctorates, not just doctors of medicine, but doctorates. You know, they can be very, they go to the one extreme or the other. They're either very, very arrogant or they're really down to earth. But I meet so many of them that are arrogant. You can't tell me nothing. I'm a doctor. I am smart. Okay, well, you just continue to be smart and think that you have all, all the answers. But, you know, we need to be careful that we don't think that we're the one that is the uh, greatest because we have learned something in some area or we are... We're strong. This is a problem with Americans in, in general is that we are self-reliant. This was one of the things that make it hard to get people to commit to Christ in America. 
I can do it all on my own. I'm a self-made made man or woman. I've pulled myself up on my own bootstraps. I don't know how you do that, but you know, it's just a statement that's been made. You know, let me just pull myself up by my own bootstraps. You know. But you know, you know what I'm saying. People will say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it all on my own. I don't need anybody. I don't need God. And we need to be careful that we don't get into that attitude with God because God knows all things in the beginning, in the end. So what are we looking at? Anything that you can name that you can put trust in? And we could have found Bible verses for and I'm going to stop here because there's four of them. I figured there were plenty of things to, to knock down. But anything that you can think of that we might put your own trust in, the Bible's already dealt with. Do not put your trust in your own strength, your own knowledge, the government, your wealth. You, know, you think about the one who could have, could have done this, and even though he didn't, would have been Job. Job was one of the wealthiest people of his day, and, and one day Satan took away all of his wealth. Now, he kept following God because his hope and trust was not in his wealth, but if it had been, how miserable would he have been? That his everything that he put his hope and trust in. This is what we're going to see. Everything that we think that we can put our hope and trust in, if it's not God, can be lost. I have my hope in my own strength, and all of a sudden I have a stroke, and I can no longer work. I can no longer take care of myself. All of a sudden, what is going on? I don't have any hope if it's not placed in the right item. And this is why it is so important. I've got lots of verses for trusting God, but I'm going to go back to Romans 5 because I really like that verse as we bring this to a close. It says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace. How can we get through all of what's coming down the road? How can we get through all of what has already come down the road for the last two years? We are justified by God. God has declared when we come to him as a sinner and say, I believe that I'm a sinner and that Jesus died for my sins, God says we are justified. What does that mean? He declares us perfect. He says, you're perfect. Now, I don't know about many of you, but I know that I am not perfect. I know that I'm in a room full of people that aren't perfect. Yet God's testimony of us, if you're his child, if you've come to him and you're his child, you are perfect by God's testimony. Why? Because we are justified. And that gives us peace. I am not looking for anything in this world to give me peace. I don't need lots of good things happening to me to be peaceful. I love going to work, especially on Monday morning. How are y'all doing today? Oh, it's Monday. Okay, uh, what's wrong with Monday? Well, got to come back to work. Well, did you enjoy your week? Yeah, it was okay. They're miserable coming back from an okay weekend because their, their work is so miserable that it makes their, their okay weekend look good. What a, what a miserable lifestyle to have that you're dependent upon what's going on around you to have peace and to have joy. Because we are justified, we have peace. 
with God through Jesus Christ. And then because we have, and we, we also have access to his grace and we rejoice in the hope of his glory. Jesus came to this world so that we could have peace and hope. When all is going wrong around us, we can be able to focus on God and say, this is not my home. That is the great thing about this. This world is not our home. My home is in heaven. One day I'm going there. I'm looking forward to going there. Now, I enjoy being down here. I enjoy teaching. I enjoy helping others learn to grow with God. But when all that's done, I'm looking forward to going, going home. As Paul said, he's torn between the two, the desire to stay, which is more beneficial for the people he's ministering to, and the desire to go home. I want to go home, but just like Paul, I'm torn because I want to help people grow. So all of this comes down, and then he goes, and not only so, not in all the peace, not in all the goodness, but in we glory in tribulations also. Now, is this our attitude when we have a hard time? Do we glory? Unfortunately, most of us, myself included, oftentimes do not glory in tribulations. We might even find ourselves complaining about them. One thing I have learned the hard way over the years is when you, when you uh, complain about the hard things in your life, it doesn't do any, any good. It just makes you feel more miserable. But we need to glory in our tribulations. We're told in Philippians, in everything give thanks. And Thessalonians says the same thing, in everything give thanks. So are we actually glorying in the tribulations? No, we're glorying in that tribulation works patience before God. It puts me in a place where I stand before God and say, God, you have a plan. I'm going to trust in your plan. I know that you are a good God with good intentions for me, so I'm going to have patience to see what good is going to come out of this tribulation. This is the glory that we have. When we start applying the word of God to our life, it makes things totally different outlook. God, I'm going through a job. Everything's been taken away from me. Thank you, God. I can't wait to see what you're going to do. Now, we may still grumble and gripe. We still, and then we're not going to be happy in the middle of tribulations, but it works patience because we go, there's something on the other side of this that God hasn't planned. He's got in store. Job, one of the people that had the worst time ever in recorded history, got back twice as much as he got taken away from him. Now, is that a promise that everybody's going to have? No, but you know what? There's a good thing coming through all your tribulation. It builds patience that God knows what he's doing. And patience brings experience. How many times have you gone through something and then the next time you go through something similar, it's not as big a deal because you've already been through it? Because I've already, oh, well, I've had something similar to this. God got me through this, so I'm sure he's going to get me through this next one. Do you realize how much easier it is the more we go through things to say, God, I'm beginning to trust you when we've learned to trust him. 
Now, if I battle my way and get knocked down and get knocked down and get knocked down and God says, okay, enough of that, we'll let you stand back up for a moment, then he comes back and knocks us down again with the same similar problem. Our goal is to trust him enough to walk through the shadow of the valley of death with him. And even greater, when you read Psalms 33, it not only says we walk through, but he says he, create, he sets a table before our enemies. Can you imagine that? You're in the midst of the enemies and he, and he sets up a picnic with your enemies all around you and says, ah, don't worry, I've got it. I've got you protected. And we're sitting there not enjoying the picnic because all we're worried about is the enemies. Where is our trust? Where is our hope? And then experience works out hope and hope makes us not ashamed because of the love of God shed abroad in our hearts, which is given unto us. Our hope is ultimately in God. I'm going to encourage us as we go through this year, and I'm not a prophet by any stretch of the imagination, but I look at what's coming down the road, I look at history, and I think 2022 is going to be worse than 2021 from a world's point of view. But my hope and my trust is in God. I encourage you to really put your hope and trust in God. Grab hold of his scriptures. If you're his child, stand in that word and stand in that trust. Because we're going to have a very hard time coming up. The government is going to continue to try to control more of our life. We're going to have more and more variants of COVID coming along because they're using it to control people. We're going to have all kinds of problems going on. The economy is going to continue going worse. Our inflation is going to continue climbing. We may even enter hyperinflation, which would be the downfall of our economy. May or may not happen that fast, but historically, once you start climbing the way it's been climbing, it doesn't take more than a year or so for it to hit hyper, which destroys everything. We need to get ready. We need to, number one, place our hope in God because he is our hope. He is the one that will care for us. Am I afraid of hyper, hyperinflation? No, because God is my provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. He will take care of me. He will take care of you if you let him. Is my hope in the government? No, my government is going to probably look at being enslaving people over the near future. If you look at Australia, Australia is already taking people with COVID cases and dumping them off into concentration camps so that they are protecting the people. I will not be surprised to see our government do the same thing. We need to be ready and say, God, I'm on your side. You are my trust. You are my hope. Do not get your hearts discouraged at all that's coming down the pike. Where is your trust? Or is your trust looking to God and saying, God, I trust you? And the most important thing for all of this is none of this means anything if you're not his child. And this is mostly for internet audience out there, but you know, do you know God and are you in a relationship with God? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. The fallen condition of man demands punishment. That punishment is eternal death in hell. 
But Jesus came to pay our debt that we could not pay. He died on the cross so that we could accept that gift and spend eternity with him in heaven. Very simple thing to do. Just say, God, I am a sinner. I know I deserve punishment. I repent of my sins. Come into my life and save me. I believe that Jesus died on that cross and come in. And then talk to, talk to a Christian and let them know that this is what, what you've done. We're going to close here. Lord, we just ask you to bless this day. Lord, help us to always place our hope in you, that we will seek you in all that we do, knowing that you are a good God, knowing that you have a plan for us, that you work all things together for good for those that love you and are called according to your purpose, and that if we're your children, you have this great plan for us, and we can rest in peace and in hope that you're in charge. And we just thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listening friends, where will you be when you die? We ask this question of a lot of people oftentimes, and the biggest answer we'll get is, I hope I will be in heaven. If hope is your answer, you don't know God, and this is a problem. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of the sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you do not know for sure that you're going to go into heaven, please today make your decision to follow him. It is simply just ask him, Lord, I am a sinner. Please come into my life and save me and make him your Lord. If you've said that prayer, let us know so that we can send you a new believers packet. You can contact us at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or even pastor at chloridebaptistchurch.com. Or you can just send us a regular letter at Chloride Baptist Church, P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona, 86431. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day.